This episode is sponsored by World Anvil. World Anvil is an award-winning world-building and writing software for people who love to create rich and exciting worlds. This is Daniel. And this is Krebs. This is Alton. And I am Matai. And you're listening to Dungeon Crawlers Radio, the greatest geek podcast out there. Hello, Dungeon Crawlers. Recently, your DCR crew attended FanX, the comic book and pop culture convention in Salt Lake City, Utah, and we had an amazing time. Talked to some amazing people and saw some amazing things. In a word, I'd say it was amazing! And so, my fellow nerdlings, I am proud to present to you a smorgasbord of authors we talked to. Yes, I said smorgasbord. So prepare yourself for some all-you-can-eat epicness. All right, Dungeon Crawlers, back again here from Fanex with Jared Garrett. How you doing today? I am doing great. I'm excited to be here and excited to see you. Great to talk to you again, friend of the show. And you've got some new books this year. I do. What I have do. you got? Well, I'm most best, probably best known for my Beat and Push series. It's a science fiction series that's been out for a while. But I have a contemporary fiction series. Um, I know it's not fantasy and science fiction, and you guys are about dun- Dungeons and Dragons, but it's okay. So this contemporary fiction series is actually autobiographical about my own life getting out of a cult. Right. And I published book two and book or book three and book four in the series. It's Worlds Apart and Carry Your Heart. Worlds Apart is about me trying to figure out trauma, but also tell a really interesting fictional story about trauma and romance and love and uh, expectations. And the last book is a pure romance, uh, but very autobiographical because I was a firefighter for a couple of years, and the main character becomes a firefighter, and that's the big catalyst to a lot of the drama in the story. A lot of fun. You know, and I know something about your, you, you told me some things about your life, yeah. and uh, this definitely falls into the category of truth is stranger than fiction. Uh, yeah. So a lot of fantasy readers like it because of the fantastical, this could never happen in real life, except when things like this do happen Truly. in real life. Truly. And uh, so absolutely, don't let the uh, autobiography um, for fantasy readers uh, turn them off because this actually... The same True. reasons one likes reading fantasy, one might really enjoy these. Yeah, and it's actually, I, I, do, I did my best here to show how powerful stories were in, my, in this character's life, because they were in mine. Fantasy stories like Bob Salvatore and you know, Robert Jordan, they, they saved my life. They helped me find a safe right. place. So, um, yeah, I, I highly recommend these books. They're, they're super fun, especially if you like true love. <laughs> Which love, I do. true thing about love. The cult, by the way, is a, a researcher reached out to me two months ago and he's been sharing his research about the cult I grew up in mm-hmm. stuff I never knew and it's like whoa these people were crazier than I thought holy crap they were out of their minds out of their minds wow yeah. wow and then uh, you've got some of your other things here yeah. uh, you talked you mentioned beat and push yes uh, for those that haven't read these yet I highly recommend it I've read them uh, people that like dystopian fantasy because of the breakdown of everything right well yes. this one is how do you get your freedom back yeah so it doesn't just leave you in you're in a dystopia now. This is the people building things back up again. Yeah. And so that's the other side of dystopian the, fiction that people should really get into. The kid troublemaker, he, he's just a troublemaker. He had no desire to be a revolutionary. Mm-hmm. So book two really kind of gets into his revolutionary, how people are looking to him to be a leader, and he's utterly uninterested and not good at it either. So it's a fun story to find out what he's willing to do for his family, what he's willing to do for this new world, and what he's not willing to do, actually. There's some... Some of the coolest scenes I've ever written are in Push. 
sliding out of an exploding mezzanine with two guns in your hand blazing <laughs> while everything's exploding is pretty fun. But you rolled my, a 20 on that one. My barely noticed book, which is irritating, is The Seer, and it's an espionage thriller, but it's also urban fantasy. A guy finds a relic, gives him the power to look into people's eyes and see their souls. And he looks into the eyes of a terrorist. Ooh. So what's next, dude? Which way, <laughs> gifted man? Uh, so he has to become a hero, probably. Amazing. And then I see another author's name on some of these oh. books. I'm used to seeing my stuff. Jared Garrett. Yeah. So tell us about who this uh, new person is. So I, I am actually rebranding my all of my science fiction and fantasy into one author name, and it is Jerry Ironspear with a G. Jerry Ironspear. Uh, so that's here, Jerry Ironspear, with Laconi. And then all of these will have that name on it eventually, too, but not yet. Um, and the contem contemporary fiction and other stuff will be re my, my main name, my pen name, or my regular name. And this is just because I think pe people get a little confused at how eclectic I am, and so I want to try to be a little more focused. Right, right. And a lot of authors do that yeah. specifically for that reason. You adopt a pen name because I'm the same author, yeah, but this is a genre of books. And so if someone wants to go pick up a Tolkien novel, they don't expect to get his English textbook, right? Yeah, I mean, it's why J.K. Rowling did a, did a pen name for that one non-Harry Potter book she wrote or series yeah. she wrote, right? Yeah. It's, it's a smart thing to do. So, um, so everybody keep your eyes out for Jerry Ironspear. And uh, if you enjoyed Jared Garrett's work in the past, it's the same guy. It's me. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jared. Great Thanks to talk to you. Good to see you. Hello, Dungeon Crawlers. This is Matai. And I am so excited to bring to you some of the amazing interviews we got at FanX this year. Unfortunately, I had some audio difficulties with this clip, but I've done my best to try to remedy that. So enjoy this interview with author Jody L. Milner. Hello, Dungeon Crawlers. This is Matai, and I am here live at FanX with... Jody L. Milner. Jody Milner. It's great <laughs> to talk to you again. Friend of the show. Yeah. Uh, been on a few times before. Sure have. And, uh, you know, a fellow uh, part of the Redhead Union <laughs> with our esteemed host, Daniel. Yep, Gingers Unite. <laughs> so how is, uh, how's FanX been treated? FanX is fabulous. I, I love the energy here. Everyone's here to have such a great time. And I've seen some totally awesome cosplays so far even like we're just barely starting friday so we haven't opened the gates quite yet but i've been so impressed by just how happy everyone's is to be here that's wonderful now you're you have this stone bearers trilogy i do and uh i've, I've read uh, parts of that I haven't gotten the whole thing yet but i think it's really interesting i think the world building and the magic uh involved there um Oh goodness. Okay, so the Stone Barrier novels are part of the Shadow Barrier trilogy, and we just barely finished the trilogy this last December, so it's still a hot and upcoming novel series. I'm very excited about it. So the overarching theme of this, there's a lot of drama, danger, and death. See, I'm a hardcore Witcher fan. Um, I really love the interpersonal drama. I really love a lot of swash, swash, buckle, buckle. And I don't like the politics. And so I took all the best bits of all the shows I loved growing up. So I loved Highlander and I loved Kung Fu, The Legend Continues. And, and I took all my very favorite parts of that, all the emotional drama, all the action, all of the thrilling storylines with really bad villains, and I mushed them together into something I'm just like, this is the perfect book for me and anybody else who 
just happens upon it. Um, but it's been very well received, and the third book got best book of the year in this year's League of Utah Writers um, contest. Oh, yeah, that uh, was just uh, that was uh, mid-August. Yeah. I'm extremely thrilled about it. <laughs> Just chuffed. Yes, absolutely. And I love how, how rich the, the stories are. Um, you can kind of tell who are uh, craftspersons and who are dabbling in literature by the way that they construct their stories. The words that come across. It's the difference between fan fiction and a real novel that can win a Utah Writers Award, right? I. I've read some pretty incredible fan fiction out there, but I think there's a lot of, like, just the time you put into your craft. Like, I've been in this for 12 years now, and I know my first stuff was probably pretty awful. Um, and just through the work of countless beta readers, really good editors, where I've learned all of these little ways of making the world come alive, make the characters come alive, uh, pull away the this is something I'm reading to this is an experience I'm diving into. Um, and that's something I think anyone who really wants to dive into writing, they have the opportunity to go from I'm putting words on a page to I'm creating an experience uh, just based on what kind of help they can get along the way. So find friends, my fellow writers. You know, I've been thinking about this and as I've talked to various authors, Everybody at some point says, yeah, I wrote this story once and it was totally awful. Oh, yeah. I have a theory. <laughs> I think that everybody has a certain number of bad stories in them. And the ones that become successful authors are the ones that get them out first. And then what's only left is the good ideas, that can, the good stories that can blossom on the page. Oh, I completely agree. There's some, and I don't know who said it, and if somebody else does, they can tell me, and we can sound really smart. But there's a saying that you need to get a million words out before the words start getting really good. And that might be your 14 really, really crappy first drafts. Um, for me, that was my case, because I had to write the first book, and then burn it down, and then write it again, and then burn it down again. Uh, and that was my learning period because the first one was completely awful as it was supposed to be. And then every time it's like, you learn something new, you keep on trying. You learn something new, you keep on trying. And then all of a sudden people are like, hey, you might have something here. It starts to come together. And it starts coming together. Yeah, yeah. Another um, piece of advice I got from the author was it's right. Constantly be writing something if you get stuck on the story that you're on, just keep writing because the exercise of making your brain go through putting these words together will help sharpen what you're doing with the ministry. Oh, absolutely. I think there's this feeling like every word on the page has to be perfect. No one can put up with that kind of pressure. I mean, it's like every time you walk out the door, you should look perfect. Heck no. You know, just get out there. Do stuff. Um... If you're afraid of things not being perfect, then you're just, you're stuck. You're self-limiting. Um, be messy. You know, I, I like the Miss Frizzle approach to writing. Get out there, be messy, make messes. She says it better. <laughs> I really like Miss Frizzle. Um, so another thing you do really well is social media and new challenges. You've got a, a, a regular newsletter. I do. That gives uh, insight to your, to your fans of what you're working on and how your life is going. Um, how did you how did you build that up and what approach do you 
So with newsletters, I like to do a tiny little slice of life. So it's just like, this is what I'm doing. This is my challenge right now. This is my project. So they kind of know I'm a real person because I'm a very real person and I'm horribly honest. And then, you know, I'll have, uh, I, I like featuring other independent authors. I want all these amazing people to have a chance to be seen as with as to as many people as possible. And so I use a service called Story Origin to find fellow authors who write in similar veins that I do. And we do swaps. Uh, it makes it really easy to find like-minded people to be like, your book looks cool. I'll put your book on my thing. You put my book on yours. It's perfect. It's a lovely thing, and it's just giving back to the writing community. It's giving to my fans because they get to try new writers for free or nearly free. Uh, and it's so that's my newsletter approach. That's. So I'm kind of pushing the trilogy really hard because I just barely finished it. This is the first year at Fanex that the whole trilogy has been done. I've been promising it for the last three. Life has happened multiple times. There was this little thing called COVID that happened. Uh, that slowed me down a lot, uh, but I'm pushing my trilogy. What's in the works is I'm creating an omnibus of the trilogy with a super special bonus epilogue. And I know that doesn't sound like much, but it excites me, so. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. Thank you very much for your time. It's just been a delight talking. This has been super fun. Thank you so much. Now let's talk about our sponsor, World Anvil. World Anvil is an award-winning world-building and writing software for people who like to create rich and exciting worlds. With their software, you can create your world, manage your campaign, plan your novel, and wow your players or readers as you make your worlds come to life. You can find them at worldanvil.com, and if you put in the discount code DCR40, you will receive a 40% discount today. All right, Dungeon Crawlers, coming to you again from Fanix. I am here with author Sean Barrows. Hey, thanks for having me. So glad to talk to you. Um, so you and your wife are here at the booth, and you've got an amazing product that, you, that, you, uh, that you're marketing yeah. here today. What do you I'm got? I'm very proud of this. It's the Paradise Planets, book one of a series, and it is the first time to fuse music and sound and literature in this way. So we have an interactive audiobook that's it's got nine songs with singers from around the world, a musical score with full orchestra, and sound design, which is also kind of fun too. That's not my expertise as much, but musical score was definitely, and that's that's kind of my background. But yeah, it was a, a fun undertaking, big challenge, and I've got to do book two now. <laughs> Wonderful. So tell us a little bit about this book. It's called The Paradise Planets. Yeah. So it's a, it's about, the main character's name is Castiana Rivernova. She's a 15-year-old. She's been kidnapped from paradise and brought through a Rosenbridge portal to, um, to Earth, a dilapidated, flooded Earth, where she has to earn her way back home. So it's, it's a hero's journey and mixed with an underdog story throughout in this particular episode. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of, I mean, what I really wanted to bring in was uh, an average person, not one who's like excelling in something that the chosen one or... The, the smartest or the best at something, she's kind of more average and she has to become the hero, right? Mm -hmm. She has to build into it, which is what, I mean, I love those kind of stories where you can really relate to the, the hero or heroine uh, who's just like us, you know? But she does amazing things, makes amazing sacrifices to become heroic, you know? Wow. And then you took this book and you've made it, as you mentioned, an interactive multimedia experience. Yeah. How'd you do that? 
Well, music is my background. So mm -hmm. I've, I've done music forever, and, and sound is just my, my field. So I figured, you know what, might as well use what I know, what I'm good at, and create something out of it. So the audiobook really is the format that I prefer because I, I heard this more than I, I, I imagined it as, a, as an audio track more than I saw it on, as words on a page, you know, when I was imagining it. So, uh, I mean, I went to the studios, I, I went to, I recorded my orchestra in Prague. Uh, so we had the Prague, wow. the Czech Philharmonic. Oh, wow. I used a choir here in Utah of uh, Islanders, Polynesians, and they have a great timbre to their voice, mm -hmm. chanting in my original language of Aveic. So it kind of has like this percussive feel to it that, that creates an interesting texture to the songs. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I got 25 actors, and we, we had to scour the internet for those actors, but we found some incredible actors. Maya Tuttle, she was on Elementals, she was on Zelda, uh, <laughs> she's been on a lot of things. And then uh, Philly, Billy Mann, who plays our, our, one of our main comic reliefs, he's a real-life comedian, like a Jim Carrey, Adam Sandler type, you know, but younger. And uh, it's pretty, he has a lot of good humor to this as well. Yeah, a lot of people, when they go for audiobooks, it's like, okay, who's going to be your reader, singular? And if you're lucky, maybe you'll get two, you know, yeah, a man and yeah. a woman to do the different yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, voices. But you got a cast. Yeah. So this, cast. Is, this, is, this is kind of writing the, the graphic audio yeah. uh, wave that's going on right now. Right. Um, but, what, but you mentioned one thing here that makes us also unique, is that a lot of times when there's, poetry or songs or music in on the written page, you're just kind of left to imagine it yourself. Yeah. And even if they do the audiobook, well, a narrator is not going to break into song. Yeah. But you actually wrote actual songs and had yeah. real singers perform them. Yeah, exactly. We had our, our main singer is Angelica Hale. She won America's Got Talent a few years back. 15-year-old Filipina singer, amazing. Wow. And that's not her. This is She'll be on one of the next ones, but we're playing some of her music right now. And then Isabel Cuevas is another Filipina star. We brought in a couple of Asians. And uh, I mean, yeah, they were singers from all over the place, but incredible singers. And they nailed these parts. And it was just kind of fun to kind of connect those dots between actor to, I mean, we had different people. They weren't the same actor and singer. They were two different, two separate people. Uh, we went kind of that, that route of like, get the best actor and the best singer. Yeah, and yeah. they just kind of play the That's same That's common, part. yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So um, the book name of the book is The Paradise Planets, available in both paperback and audio formats. Where can people find this? Everywhere. Audible, Spotify, uh, Amazon, of course, all of the outlets. It's, it should be on 50 plus outlets on physical copy and audiobook copy. So yeah, wherever they listen or read, it should be there. Sounds awesome. Well, Sean, it's been great speaking with you. Yeah, thanks for having Thank me. Thank you for here. your time. Yeah. Hello, Dungeon Crawlers, coming to you again live from Phoenix. I am here with author... Candace J. Thomas. <laughs> Candace Thomas. Great to talk to you. And um, you've got a number of books out here. And one yeah. of the things that caught my eye was this one called Vampire-ish. Yes, Vampire-ish. Vampire-ish. <laughs> I found that a very uh, whimsical Yes, exactly. Yeah. So tell me about uh, Whimsy and the whimsical <laughs> author. Okay. Um, well, I have, I'm a fantasy author as well as a comedic author, um, but I also have a scientific background. So when it comes to writing, well, when I was writing my series, series can be really heavy and take a lot of, you know, emotional thought. So I had to have like an escape. And so I started writing this vampire novel about a hypochondriac who gets bit by a vampire and then he's like 
has to orient himself into a New York society of high society vampires and learn how to to <laughs> function. And it just tickled me. The whole idea was just so amusing to me. And I put him in all sorts of really awful um, situations. I call him my lovable loser because <laughs> he really is. I truly try to make him the worst vampire ever. Um, and it was, it was so much fun to just have that kind of breakaway to write, uh, you know, just a, a really silly novel and something that c- people can just laugh at. Uh, it's very, I, I think it's also very cinematic the way that it's written. So people really visualize um, just like if it was a Netflix series or something. It's just really fun. What a, it's a really great joy. I just love the thought of that. A <laughs> hypochondriac yeah. with vampirism. Yeah. Oh, my word. It's just funny. That's incredible. I had to do a lot of research, too, because I, I mean, I've never had to deal with a, per, like, a vampire who's nauseous with the side of blood. So I had to, <laughs> what is he actually going to eat? What is he actually going to be able to sustain on? And it was hilarious. So I have a really awful Google searches in my history. <laughs> so You know, it's fewer. funny how many authors uh, would be in trouble if the FBI saw their search <laughs> I know. Sometimes I have to write, you know, for author purposes or for writing purposes, just right? to make sure that, just in case anyone's <laughs> reading my stuff. The NSA comes knocking on your door one day. Yeah. All right. Are you an author or do we need to arrest you? I know, right? <laughs> no, definitely. They, if they met me, they'd know immediately. I don't have any kind of vibe that would make the FBI interested in my personality, I promise. Well, of course you'd say that. Yeah. But, uh, no. Um, so you have kind of an interesting path to publication and having mm-hmm. your books out there. Yeah. Uh, tell us how you started out. Well, um, I started as a traditionally published author. I, my series, I started, my first book is called Vivitera, and it's a high fantasy young adult um, and I sold that in, I want to say, 2012. So I've been published for, for 10 years, honestly. And uh, that was really great. My, the, the company really put a lot of thought into marketing it and selling it at that time. And they wanted my whole series. So I published everything, my, my three books in that series with them. And... The thing about uh, there were were rather, there was a smaller press, so they focused on your launch, but then after that, you're just kind of the person that has to push the books. Um, So I learned a lot about marketing by myself, and that is kind of, that's just something that any author is going to have to do now, is know how to market themselves and push themselves and put them into places like this con yeah, uh, where you're visible and you can reach readers. That's you know, and if there's any lesson to be gained from all the vendors here at Fanex, it would be that. Yeah, you see absolutely. people just starting out. You see people that have been doing this for decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just spoke with a Marvel Comics artist who's been doing it for 30 years, and yeah. he's here marketing himself. Mm-hmm. And so there's no uh, bar to entry. I want to say there's no limit to, you have to have been doing it this long before yeah. you can start marketing yourself, marketing any, and there's not a point where you get, where you get to stop. Yeah. This is something that just goes on forever. This is how you, um, get your art into the hands of yeah. fans, no matter what, what form that art takes. Yeah. You have to be where the fans are. That's for sure. That's right. When it, um, continue on with your question after my rights were up with that traditional publisher, 
I made the, I find the smart decision to go indie because at that time I had kind of just outgrown my publisher. So I decided to do, do my own thing. And that took a lot of research, a lot of money to kind of thought and do that process. But, um, I am so glad that I did because I wanted, now I know that the mistakes that are made are mine. They're not really attributed to anybody else and what they're doing. So, and I'm in charge of, charge of my own sales, my own uh, events, uh, everything. And I love that. I really did. I really did grow into this kind of business person that I didn't ever think that was in here. Mm -hmm. But you have to be when you're, when you're an indie author or any kind of author, you have to have all of a sudden this kind of marketing sense that you never had before. You had to kind of grow. Uh, yeah. And, and the thing about that's interesting about books is there is a books or art in itself is you constantly have to be producing something. So you, you're always doing another thing. It's not about selling just one book. It's about selling everything, all the books and selling yourself as you don't have a specific readership who always will gravitate to your, to your stuff. So funny right now, my um, books are taking off in India. I couldn't tell wow. you exactly why beyond the fact I think that they find Western culture interesting, but I also have a really strong fan base there that wants to read everything that I've ever written. So they're like, when's the next thing coming out? I'm like, wow, I will. I don't have anything quite yet for you to read, <laughs> but it's just been, they've been extremely loyal over there. And I had no idea that there was not just you here. We're at this, you know, cute little convention where I'm talking directly with authors, but I'm making a difference to people all the way across the world. So it's amazing what you can do as an indie author. Wow. That, that's, that's, and in, in the uh, world of the internet, yeah. there's people are, uh, indie publishing is becoming bigger and bigger. It's actually starting mm -hmm. to disrupt the marketplace mm -hmm. and the big booksellers. And uh, so, yeah, I think we're on the cusp of another big disruption in the, yeah. the marketplace that way. I, yeah, I kind of love it. Because I know both sides of it, yeah, know how it is being traditional and how you're kind of just—I don't know—the um, right word. You're kind of shackled. There's only so much you can do. You have to sell through like a bookstore. You have to do signings through a bookstore. You're only making cents on books, so you have to sell a certain amount in order to get your, you know, your like a, the advance back. Is what yeah. I'm trying to say. So there's, it's just a lot, of, oh my gosh, it's just a lot of pressure and a lot just you can't control. So mm. my gosh, I love controlling my stuff. <laughs> and I like just being creative and being able to just like do whatever, you know, if I, if my book, like my vampire book definitely is not for, I mean, it would not have been able to sell when I published it because everyone had, was sick of Twilight. Mm -hmm. They're like, we're done with vampire stuff. So even though it's marketed as a satire, it, it, nobody was going to, to buy it. The only way it would, it would do well is through indie market. Yeah. So yeah. one of the things I really like about authors is their ability to invent new words, to add it to the lexicon. And uh, the title of one of your books is Conjectrix. Yes. Tell us about that. Well, um, Conjectrix is my second novel but uh every I like I I that was the one that I had the most fun with because I being in the series it just kind of um 
I let my brain really just play and had the most expressive time. And I'm a discovery writer. I don't like to, I mean, I have a plan, but the plan may change. And to discovery write is, is being spontaneous and letting your brain just kind of do whatever. And you can definitely tell in my second novel, my first novel kind of had a better structure. My second novel, I just really played. Mm-hmm. I had all the ideas. And then my third novel was the hardest thing I've ever had to write because I had to go, okay, well, I left a lot of threads and I need to pull all of those back and <laughs> make sense of this novel. And the other thing is by that time I had created, I wrote one and two together before I was published. And then um, the third one, I was already published and there was pressure. There was a deadline and I, I hated it. <laughs> but I had, a, I had a fan base And all of a sudden, I wanted to make sure my original idea was not the best idea for the book. And I had to really consider my audience as well when I was writing that third book because they they mattered. I didn't want to lose them. And I had to do the right thing. And I created a problem so much that you it was in in the structure of the whole series that people are going to die. And I have to be faithful to that. But yet, I don't want to make people... Yeah. Die. I don't want to. I'll lose, like my audience if Grief I just by proxy. <laughs> right? Oh, oh, my so many problems. So that one took me so long to do. It was very stressful. My very favorite novel, though, yeah. to write was definitely Conjectrix. I loved. I just loved writing that book. I love it so much. So, I what does the title refer to? Huh? The Conjectrix. What does that refer to? Oh yes. Um, well, I did a lot of root root base in um, Latin. Mm-hmm. Conjectrix means uh, dream interpreter. Dream so, interpreter. Mm-hmm. Vivitira is a made-up word, but it, it's the light stone, you know, stone of light. And Conjectrix, uh, yeah, I got that from dream interpreter. And what's the Latin. third book in the uh, It's trilogy. called Everstar, and that doesn't mean anything, except that it's the mark of magic. So uh-huh. there you go. <laughs> oh, wonderful, wonderful. So you were saying how you, how happy you were to have completed a trilogy and have it available to the, to the masses. So how, tell us about, how did that feel to finally hit that milestone? Uh, having a series is incredible. You won't sell, if you, if you have the mark of a series, but it's not completed, it won't sell as well. People don't want to read books that aren't like series that isn't finished because Mm -hmm. we all know what that is like. We've all waited for number six of Harry Potter. Uh It, It was just a torture you know, getting there. So it's uh, having, but people want to read the entire thing and they want to binge it. We're in a very binge society. Right. So once you get that third book out, everything sells. Everything's awesome. And it's such an accomplishment. I don't know if I'll write another series. It was so emotional. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to think of every single thing uh, to <laughs> come back to. But, so are there any yeah. things that you're working, what are you working on right now? Okay, so I've got, I mean, I started doing romantic comedy just to kind of play with, and it's a lot of fun. I have a couple of books out like uh, that are that way. And then I have, there's a character in my tr- trilogy, my fantasy trilogy called Brown Eyes, and she's the everyone's favorite villain, and she has a story to tell. And so I'm writing a what I call a companion novel to my series, uh, focusing on her interpretation of what's happening during this whole story and 
for the fans who have read that, they're dying because this is going to be <laughs> the funnest novel. And it's, yeah, it's taken me a long time because I have to go through my entire series and, and rewrite perspective of everything that Brown Eyes did. And it, that is a lot of work. So it's taken me longer than I wish. Oh, well. But, and then I've got, of course, I've got some more romantic comedy that <laughs> I promised people. And that was way easier to write than fantasy, but I've got lots of stuff on my brain. I'm, I'm lots of, lots of exciting ideas. And you know? it's, it's interesting how once you start, then the more ideas bloom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That what you do, that what you do becomes easier to do. Yeah. It's the creativity that is a muscle. So yeah. when you're actively using the, that creativity, uh, ideas come faster and purer and easier. So as long as you're, activating that and and you know attaching into it you know often it's yeah it is rather it's a lot easier to do so great all right well thank you so much for your time candace absolutely great talking with you yeah thanks thank you for listening to the podcast if you like this episode please give us a five-star rating on itunes spotify or wherever you find us